All right, I'm, I'm not sure that I've ever been as excited for a good take, bad take as I am right now. I'm Brandon Chapman, and why am I so excited? Because I'm joined by my friend, Lori Miracle. We worked together for four years, five years maybe, I don't know. But in that time, we have come to a common love. It is the West Wing. Yes. And I want to take credit for some of this because I turned you on to the West Wing. You did. And you realize the brilliance that is me. No, the brilliance that is the show, but through me. So I'm just trying to prop myself up a little bit. You introduced me <sighs> to the glory that is the, the West glory Wing. is yeah the essence of glory. And then I found the podcast, which was incredible. Not not this one, but the, the West Wing Weekly. Yes. And I mean the signal, <laughs> the signal, and absolutely. The pin. <laughs> we were part wait, of the club. Wait, did you get me the pin or did yeah. I get you the pin? I got you the pin. Okay, so. You know, a lot has happened in all these years. So I, I'm super, super excited to have you on to talk about the West Wing. And by the way, we're using a, uh, a nice roadcaster. It makes you sound fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> the, the mic is great. I rely on you to make my voice sound like honey. And I, I must say, you're looking very <laughs> svelte. You working out? Oh, well, thank you. No, I'm not eating, I'm not eating carbs. Oh, uh, I've been seeing a going? fat doctor. And she forbade me for eating any any sugar or things that could convert to sugar. So for me, I don't really eat a lot of sugar, but I do eat a lot of carbs. Carbs, yeah. And and so she took me off of carbs completely. Like it's basically like a keto diet. I have to do fats and and proteins, things that keep me satiated. And um, first month it was like mid December. So by the way, this was over the Christmas break and all that. Mid December to mid January, I lost fourteen pounds. Wow. Most of it was uh, was adipose tissue, so you know nasty fat. And then I have my check in next week, so that'll be pretty good. We'll see. And I that's probably about twenty two pounds, so I've got about fifty more to go. Okay. Well, I don't want anyone to accuse me of fat shaming, so you can feel free to cut this part out of. The no, absolutely not. <laughs> fat shame. You know. So here's the. Let me just tell you. This is totally. This is very compelling audio, by the way. Uh, so. Uh, just a funny story. We we digress completely. Uh, when I go to the dentist, I'm not one of these that needs to be coddled. In fact, it's just the opposite, right? So I've had a uh, dental hygienist. Her name is Angel, but I have trained her over time to be anything but. <laughs> and so she says, "Your you know your mouth is so nasty. Your teeth are disgusting. You know how can any woman love you?" And like this is a garbage compactor. And that's intense. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. So, so there's a new dentist who's not used to this relationship and he walks in and he hears her saying something about my filthy, disgusting mouth. And then he walks out and then I hear him kind of like, Hey, angel, come here, come here, come here. And, and then she had to bring him back so that I could tell the dentist that, <laughs> no, this is actually what I want. Cause if she's like, could you, you know, just really try to floss and all that. No, that doesn't work for me. You got to be like, Chapman, you're grossly fat. Let's get your act together. That does it for me. I wouldn't say grossly at all. Just normal, normal fat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you have to be not likable to me in order to get me to do anything. So That's why we're such good friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. So speak of likability. See what I did right there? Yeah. The West Wing, every main character ranked by likability from our friend Katarina Daly. So this was an interesting one. And I knew, I knew from the moment that you had mentioned being on this podcast that we were going to do something West Wing. And this, 
this will not be the last time. Okay, but we're gonna we're gonna let some time pass because we couldn't really rank all the episodes because we got to rewatch the episodes. Even though we, you and I both kind of know them by heart, to really give well, a, mostly you know them by heart. Okay, I've watched it through one time. <sighs> okay, I need to watch it again. It's time. Yeah, it's time you do the West Wing Wednesday. <laughs> yes, where you watch an episode every single Wednesday, maybe two. Uh, this is why I'm fat, by the way. Did you see the couch potato commercial on the Super Bowl? No. None of the commercials were fantastic, but that was that's me. Not even the you didn't I, like the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, it was pretty good. That was pretty good. Yeah. I have an intern who said, I've watched like 200 movies in my whole life. You've watched like 20,000. Yes. <laughs> okay. So our friend Katarina says, Aaron Sorkin's political drama, The West Wing, is filled with lovable characters, but who in the Bartlett White House is the biggest fan favorite? So there's already one thing that you and I are like, wait, is it that their, their character is likable within the context of the show, like other people like them? Or they're, they're objectively like a likable person? Or is it because we like them? Because one of the characters that I promise is going to end up showing up on this list as I go through it. Let's, let me just make sure. Yes, he is on there. Is objectively a prick. He's prickly, at least, with just flashes of compassion. Curmudgeon. He's, he's curmudgeonly. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So we will talk more about him when we get to that. But that is not really clear. The other thing is if you ever listen, of course, you're you know longtime listener, first-time caller, uh, for the good take, bad take, we take these lists that, that are often rankings. They don't have to be rankings, but they often are. This one, I think the problem is it says every, character, main, every main character ranked by likability. So at some point, you're either going from bottom to top or, wait for it, top to bottom. I know that was tough to figure out where I was going with that. But this doesn't tell you if they're starting on the bottom or the top. So that one, I'm struggling with this one. Am I not allowed to uh, drop your mom jokes on this podcast? Yes, you are. Awesome. Absolutely. I just mark <laughs> it totally unsafe for kids. <laughs> I have that option when I when I put the podcast in. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tell you the bookend here. Will Bailey is on one side of it, and on the other side is President Bartlett. So. I don't know which direction we're going to go. We're going to obviously have to try to glean information or infer which side right. is the most likable based on the comments, and I'm okay doing that. Because I feel like Will Bailey within the show was a very likable guy. Well, I think Joshua Molina, all of his characters always seem very likable. Yeah. So I really liked him in Sports Night. Yeah. That was a good one. And I like him on the podcast, too. So on the West Wing Week Weekly. Yes, he does a great job on that. I think podcast. he does a really, really good job. So the first one on this, again, is Will Bailey. Now, is this the, how many How many do they have totally? Uh, totally, how many, totally, how many do they have? Total, how many do they have? One, two, three, I'm really under the gun here. Four, let's see if I can count to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's ten listed here. Just main characters. So it is a top ten. I struggle there because if it was who I like to, I think they're missing a few attorneys on this I list. I agree. Absolutely. <laughs> that I really liked. So anyway, uh, Will Bailey's the first on the list. And of course, for, for the listeners who haven't watched the show, first of all, start watching the show. Um, the least likable character, the one I like the least is Mandy. So if you can get through season one with Mandy, she's written out of the show. You know, spoiler alert. It's perfect. Uh, but if you can get past that, you'll you'll get into Will Bailey, uh, and and as it's mentioned here by Katarina, 
we're talking about a new cast member that's joining a an already established show, one that has won several Emmys at this point. So, I mean, be that be that guy who comes in and like takes over for Vin Scully as the Dodgers announcer. Like that, how do you do that, right? No, you, the bar has been set so high, and he just did a, a really really good job. I thought. Yeah, and, I agree. Yeah, so so uh, it what. Katarina mentions, says, as a new member on the team following Sam Seaborn's departure, Will feels like a new kid in school and is treated as such. But even years after his arrival, his personality, academic, nerdy, and unconventional, never quite meshes with the main team's members. So that part maybe is saying, I don't know, that because it didn't mesh as well, that it's, but I thought he did a fantastic job. So I don't know, again, if this is saying that the, I, as a viewer, don't like him or his character as much. It's so ambiguous. Yeah, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that last, the last part of that sentence because I think Of what that, I said or what she wrote? Of what she wrote okay. about how he never quite meshes with the, the other members of the cast because I think that he did fit in. Mm -hmm. I think he had great chemistry with the rest of the cast. Yeah. I love, I mean, I love this next character- but Donna Moss is the next character. There was something about the West Wing. I love the, the there's like this, this relational tension between Donna Moss and Josh Lyman. Always is. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the but Aaron Sorkin was so good at not like catering to, I, I imagine like my little sister, she's always like, oh, I just want them to get together so bad. You know? <laughs> okay, but then what? Right? Then everything's anticlimactic. Then you jump that. the shark. You jumped the shark, right. And I was trained under the great Richard Tafflinger on media criticism, the neo-Aristotelian critique, uh, one of the greatest classes I ever took in college. This was an amazing faculty member, chain smoker, loved him. Anyway, he, he, he really talked about these kind of things, and I thought this was a perfect, you know, perfect type, type situation where um, you saw Donna for just Donna, mm -hmm. and they didn't spoil it with extra stuff, right? And as a character, I really related to Donna, but she was also a character that um, embodied like all of the bad things that you're not supposed to do in any relation. Like she had this long string of failed relationships yeah. with guys and she was never able to get it right and yeah. until the very end. And can I tell you in terms of workplace harassment, I mean, <laughs> sometimes Josh says some stuff that I'm like, yeah, I think HR would pull you in pretty fast, right? But Donna is extremely, extremely loyal. She's like amazing. And yeah, uh, and that's, I think you like Aaron because he lets you in on the secret that from like moment one, Donna's just in love with Josh. Yeah. The other thing um, our author says is no matter how loyal she may be to the White House, She's almost always looking out for herself above anyone else. Her opinions are regularly contrary to everything the administration stands for, are regularly contrary, and as a result, she begins to feel like a one-note character. I struggle with this one a yeah, lot. Yeah, I do too, because that, that I feel like this um, writer misses the point of the Teladonna. Yeah. Like the, the <laughs> writing um, tool that that mm -hmm. was in the show. Yeah. And they talked about it on the West Wing Weekly podcast a lot. Mm -hmm. I also I also wonder what is loyalty unless it, it is tested, right? I mean, the hotter the fire, the 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 harder the metal. 
And I wonder if you have contrary opinions and yet you're still willing to stick it out. Like that to me is huge loyalty. Yeah. And she stood up for her beliefs too. She did. So, so standing up for your beliefs, that that's not a bad thing. I don't think that's a bad attribute. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Abby Bartlett, a fantastic, fantastic, um, not on the show all the time, spot appearances. I always loved her. Always yeah. Loved Stalker her Channing is really mm-hmm. good anyway. I thought she was one of the best on the show. And um, I think I really liked her because I actually do know uh, a friend of some friends of ours. Uh, she's just like, like Abby, like hundred percent. In fact, first time I met her, I was like, oh my goodness, it's Abby Bartlett's twin. <laughs> I mean, her demeanor, even she almost looks the same as Abby Bartlett. Uh, you don't have to call her Dr. Bartlett, my friend. But uh, so Katerina says that it's obviously not easy to be married to someone as important and publicly available as President Josiah Bartlett. It takes someone compassionate, caring, and fiercely protective. Though only briefly glimpsed in the series' early season, Abby becomes a major player in the turmoil surrounding the president's health. Buoyed by a vibrant performance by Soccer Channing, true, Abby's a political genius in her own right, all while being a fantastic doctor, mother, and wife. Uh, I'm sure in many, many ways she is, uh, what did they say, a political genius? But I do say that in in many regards, they actually downplayed that, like that she was playing in the minor leagues, right? And the president's team knew what they were doing. I mean, there were multiple instances where she crossed Sam Seaborn, mm-hmm. and Sam had to say, look, we know what we're doing, right? We know what we're doing, and there's a reason why we're doing things. And the president had to say, there's a reason why we're doing this. And he had to ask her to stop getting involved in, in certain things because her best wishes were, were actually... Um, creating a problem. I think on this list, um, as an audience member, um, I think Abby Bartlett is very likable. And I, so that strong character when she appears too. So that would, on that side, she needs to be ranked higher. And on this, on the other side, I think all of the other cast members liked her too in the story. I feel Mm -hmm. like she's, um, under, underrated on this list. Yeah, it could be. Because at this point, I am assuming that it's going from last place at Will Bailey down, even though it doesn't cite it. Will yeah. Bailey is the top and we're yeah. going down? Yep. Okay. Uh, the worst. Of oh, the, the worst. Yes. Okay. Yep. I think based on some of the nuance in in the way this is written. Okay. Toby Ziegler, who, by the way, may be my favorite character on this. I absolutely yeah, love. one of my favorites, absolutely. Oh, gosh. I absolutely love Toby. Uh, Toby might, it says, might be one of the more hot-tempered and even prickly members of the White House. I, I said that. Hey. Uh, but he's also without question one of the most important contributors and one of the sharpest minds. He's always depicted as the more paranoid and quick-to-worry members of the senior staff. His judgments are almost almost always good. His relationship with major players like CJ and Sam are some of the series' warmest, most beloved friendships. And he often he his often contentious dynamic with President Bartlett provides potus with a much needed sounding board that's true he's not afraid to say exactly what he thinks needs to be said yep and that's one reason that i i think makes his character so good and that and provides op- some a lot of tension too in the yeah, story it does especially between the president and mm-hmm. and him uh, i will say that there are many many times where i wish i had the courage in my working life to be like him right <laughs> and i feel like sometimes you you're you're relied on for counsel but you don't know how 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 far to push and I'm like, he just, maybe he went overboard. He pushed hard. But then you have those moments like where, where, uh, you know, he, he shows compassion in the very first season with the veteran that had his coat that mm-hmm. he had given to the Goodwill. 
uh, I was really touched, I think, in that episode. And the president's like, are we supposed to be doing this, you know, big ceremony for every single veteran, right? And he's like, I can only hope, right? And I just thought that was awesome, right? Now, we talk about that loyalty of Donna Moss. I mean, that's what's different later on the season. Again, spoiler alert, later in the whole series, right? That Toby was apparently the source of this leak and, you know, disloyalty and all that. But early on, I mean, he was extremely loyal. And I think that was actually the root of why he was wanting to voice things. He, he wanted to bring this stuff up and he wanted to get things fixed. He didn't want other people to come in and destroy that. He's also really funny as well. Like, like Sam's funny in a, like a naive kind of way. And Richard Schiff, who d- plays this role amazingly, uh, he's funny, just very sardonic. And one of my favorite lines, and I, I never can like forget this one is when he says, we don't even need an opposition party. We're doing fine on our own. (laughs) Uh, Also, and, and I forgot about this, but this came out, this show, you know, it first started in the late nineties when somebody was trying to look up, you know, what is a constitution or a bill of rights or something. And he's like, well, then if you find it here, find it here. And if that doesn't work, then go to amazon.com. And the way even the amazon.com, it was like the, the emphasis was weird, you know, like the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Uh, but I was like, wait, Amazon.com was around in the late 90s? I guess it was. It just wasn't a thing yet. It's like Google, right? Google was kind of early turn of the century, but nobody really knew about it. That was back when its main competitor was Barnes & Noble. Right. Exactly. Amazon.com. Amazon.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Toby's character, though. And he, he is often, I think, Sam Seaborn's looked at as an idealist. But I think Toby also was an idealist in a different kind of way, uh, especially in moments where he really, really rallied to defend the right of the voters mm-hmm. to choose. And he he made mention that that like Leo at times where Leo was kind of de facto in charge was there and nobody voted for him. Right. He's like, but nobody elected him president. Right. So who is you know, president in these cases where the president can't, he's incapacitated. Uh, Sam Seaborn, boy, if I could look and sound like Sam Seaborn, that's every man's dream, I think. Uh, Another one, why isn't he at the top of this list? Or at the bottom of this list, I should say. Yeah, this is another one where you wonder if it's that, they just, if they like the character of Katarinas, because it said, it talks about how he was, uh, oh, where did I see this? Like failed relationships. Let me see. Yes, certainly preppier, more entitled. Uh, Seaborn is all in on the Bartlett campaign. Uh, You know what? It might be another list that I looked at that was complaining about Sam uh, and his character's likability because he struggled to just really jive with the female companions. He's, in fact, one of the most lovable members of the Bartlett team. Well, I guess they're only ranking 10. So most lovable could be five. I don't know. I think that sounds like middle of the pack. But yeah, it says heart of gold, top-notch writing talent. That's the other thing is Toby is a really good writer too. And I love the scenes. This is such a Sorkin thing, but like where Sam's writing something, he really wanted to get that birthday message right. Right. (laughs) And Toby's like standing over the top of him. He really wants to nail this. He's like, yeah, I really want to nail this. But he's like, you could add a comma at any time, you know? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So... And I use that line sometimes. I'm all I'm doing is I'm just uh, I'm just copying, you know. I'm copying from other people. 
which, which by the way, good writers borrow from other writers, great writers steal outright. That's a straight up Aaron Sorkin. Uh, Jed even believes that Sam could run for president one day and with his still disappointing departure to run for Congress in the fourth season, it's not hard to believe Jed could be right, says, of course, the president. I just just a, a likable guy. I mean, he's really smart, and I think when we talk about the idealism, one thing mm-hmm. I like is he he turns down a very, very lucrative career. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we see that in the beginning of, uh, what is the beginning of season two, right, when they have some, some flashbacks, right? Because so the beginning of season two... Um, when there's some hospital stuff going on. That was like the origin story of the yep, campaign. of all of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and I love Toby. He's like drunk, you know. But uh, yeah, so I love seeing Sam Seaborn. And he he just, Josh and, and Sam, they knew what they were doing was, was not really what they got into it for, right? They wanted to change the world. And I just absolutely love that. Uh, Josh would be my other favorite person in the show. Like, I absolutely love Josh. But so he's much. written to he is be the guy that you love to likeable. hate. Yeah. He is not a likable character uh, um, in that context. In fact, yes, I mean, his, his, the rest of his people understand who he is, and they, I think they come to terms with this is, this is Josh. They also know Josh always has their back, right? And so I think that's why they appreciate him. But everybody else is at war with him. The vice president and Josh don't get along. And what does the Josh say at one point? The president doesn't hold grudges. He's a good man. That's what he pays me for. And Josh goes to war with people. And and people don't do very well with him. And so in terms of character likability, this, this now leads me to shift to do I like them or do I think they're a good character? Which, I mean, Josh, for me, I think he's a great character. I agree. And the hubris that he displays is so fantastic. It's one of my favorite things. Um, do you have a favorite Josh Lyman moment? I'm, I'm really putting you on the spot. Fav- um, secret plan to fight inflation. That's it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> You've been coddled when he tells the media, I'm not your camp counselor. I'm not the teacher that you had a crush on. Uh, and even the way he says that that he was a graduate of Harvard and Yale and and my reasoning will match the Socratic wonder that is the White House press corps. I mean, he's just so arrogant. Uh, can we digress for a second? Yeah. So a few years ago, so he went back to the stage, and there was a Charles Dickens a Christmas Carol. Uh, and, of course, you know, this has been done a thousand times over, but they had this uh, place, you know, and, and here it is, like, off-Broadway at this point, and... But uh, Josh Lyman played Charles Dickens. You're talking about Bradley Whitford? Uh, yeah, sorry, Josh Lyman. Josh Lyman, his actual, <laughs> he was in character. It was weird. Uh, Bradley Whitford, the actor. Yeah. Bradley Whitford played Charles Dickens. And uh, my family and I went to to see that in Spokane. Oh, that's fantastic. And I didn't know that was in Spokane. Oh, it was Oh, it was wonderful. It was so, so good. Well, you weren't in Spokane at that time. I think it was right before you moved back to the Lilac City. Opportunity so, missed. Opportunity missed. So it gets better. So we're there. We're we're kind of down in the main section, you know, on the main floor. And I've got uh, we've got some open seats in front of us because it was where they they had accessible seating, and nobody was actually in those seats. So when when uh, Ebenezer Scrooge, because that's who he plays as as Scrooge, when he has his his epiphany, his great epiphany. He's, he's just overjoyed, and in the play, he comes running off the stage and into the crowd, and he found an opening, which is right 
in front of us. Like we, we were, I was, I could have reached out and touched Bradley Whitford. I may have actually, that's, <laughs> that's probably why they tackled me now that I think of it anyway. And he was, he was, he had all this fake snow like in his pocket and he was like throwing it. And it was funny because he reached in and one of them was, was like empty. So like right there on the spot, he's like, Oh, hold on just a second. And he went into the <laughs> other one and then he threw snow and, and like my kids caught it. And Sterling, my oldest son, turns to me and goes, Bradley Whitford threw snow at us. <laughs> and I'm like, Did you save it like the sand on the beach and the little vial? I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that I have some Bradley Whitford fake snow. But I was I was really impressed. I mean, his stage presence was presence was really good. Um, but when you go back and you watch his character, he was he did just such a great job. Facial exp- expressions, demonstrative, like the inflection at all the good times. I just thought he his character was great. And, you know, bring me the finest muffins and bagels in all the land. Yes, that's another one. <laughs> drink from the keg of glory. I drink from the keg of glory, Donna. That's right. Which uh, you still have a mug of that, don't you? You so, broke it, didn't you? You broke it. I I'm gonna I throw my West Wing I... Weekly pin into the river. No, okay, I'm no. not. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. So what? What'd you do? I thought I told you that it slipped out of my hand and fell on the kitchen okay. floor and shattered. I probably suppressed that. I think you did tell me because it was so hurtful. It happens. I tried to glue it back together, and it didn't oh, work. Yikes! Yeah, that's not gonna work. Yeah. I thank you for trying though. But it was it was my favorite mug. I'm sure it was. My my favorite mug now is the one from the office. It says "World's Best Boss." It's sitting over there. Anyway, because it's just true. Uh, next n- next one on the list is actually very similar to Josh in so in some ways. Leo McGarry is fantastic as very warm, caring person, but then can flip like that, mm-hmm. right? And you 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 sense that his patience isn't very high when when things aren't going. I mean, he's he play, does not suffer fools. No, he he has to play dad. I mean, he's chief of staff, mm-hmm. right? And so when they're when the the kids aren't getting along, then he has to put his foot down. But he is a bulldog. I mean, there's nobody else in the show that will come in and absolutely crush somebody's soul like Leo McGarry. And, and John I, John Spencer did a, just a great job acting. I've seen John Spencer in some other things, like before The West Wing, but this role was made for him, absolutely made for him. And so I, I happened to be in New York when, when the announcement was made of his death. Um, and I mean, John Spencer, the, oh, it's like the air got taken out, you know, just... He was so incredible. And how do you write that into a show? You know, so they tried to do it the best they could. But that was post uh, Aaron Sorkin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, season five or six or whatever that was. But uh, he he dealt with this these really tough things, right? Um, with the alcoholism and, and all that. Loyal, 100% loyal, maybe to a fault of President Bartlett. Uh, that is the thing I really like about this show. The loyalty in this from the cast of, of characters is is pretty astounding. Yeah, I think my favorite Leo quote was pro- would probably be the story about the hole in the friends. Oh, the mouse in the hole or no, whatever? No, um, he jumps down into the hole with his friend. Oh, yeah. He's like, what are you doing? Well, I've been down here and I know the way out. I've been down here and I know the way out. Yeah, that's awesome. Amazing. It's just amazing. 
and his backstory is cool. And he's the one who gets to fire all those other people and hire Toby and say, don't screw it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it starts right off of the, right off the get go in the very first episode where he's, he's, uh, you know, he's pitching a fit because the crossword puzzle is wrong. Yes. <laughs> you know, there are those kind of things that was a pilot episode. And so some things in a pilot never just, they never really continue. He doesn't, He's not just the crossword puzzle guy right. from there on out. <laughs> so those are just, those are interesting uh, little caveats. But uh, And then, of course, it says he even goes on to run as Matt Santos's vice president in the 2006 election. I, those are the, seasons five through are not the same as one through four. And so if you're watching, you know, if, or if you haven't watched it, um, I, I'll be honest, like, keep going, but... If you really want to to end on a high note, end it up after season four. You're gonna want to keep going, but but that's because it's been top notch television, and and it stops after that. Like it goes downhill. Like season five for the first couple episodes, you're feeling like it might be pretty good, but it I think it goes downhill, which is which is sad because there still are some really good actors mm-hmm. um, that even come in after that. Yeah. So Charlie Young, uh, suck it. Now it's hard to see him and not think of Psych. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where he's Gus in Psych. But yes, uh, I thought a really, really good job uh, by Dulé Hill. And not only was he, did I like his character, yeah, but another. he was likable. Mm-hmm. So I can totally see, I do not think it's a, a bad take at all for somebody to rank Dulé Hill or Charlie Young in this case this high. I agree. Yep. And. I also liked where Charlie got tough when needed. He was a very kind of a laid back person. He did find a way to really have fun with everybody else, but you absolutely saw him stand up for people when they needed to get stood up for. I'm thinking about the scene in the little bar with the, the, uh, what are they playing pool or something? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he sees something going on and he does not hesitate. And I think Char, I think, Josh Lyman says he didn't hesitate to put himself in between the president's daughter and danger. Yeah. So I just thought he was really awesome. Okay. What Now you have to, what's your favorite Charlie quote? Suck it. <laughs> Not from, the, yeah, that's a good question. My favorite Charlie quote. Mm, I don't and know. And the thing, the first thing that popped into my mind wasn't even a Charlie quote. It was West Wing Weekly podcast. He gave him the knife. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's interesting. I don't know that there's a favorite quote per se that I have from Charlie. I will tell you the most poignant scene that I remember from Charlie. Actually, there is a funny one. There, there's a funny thing, and it's it's more. Yes. Okay. So let let's do this. The poignant one is when the president gives him the knife. You know, mm-hmm. and that that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not uh, crying. You're crying. I'm not crying. You're like dust in my eye. Uh, the probably the funniest one is where the, they keep having to pass block on the call because there's like an ambassador who's getting these parking tickets and the president, they're like, president's going to explode when he finds out about this, right? That this person's trying to, to get out of th- these different things. So the president finally finds out and he starts screaming into the phone, screams, hangs up the phone. And Charlie's like, well, that was probably his secretary. Because he just picked up the phone and started yelling. And and when Charlie said it, just the way he said it even was like, oh, my gosh, it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. So Katarina says Charlie easily becomes one of the series' biggest fan favorites. So I, I think it's clear that what we're talking about 
at this point, we figured out that we're moving toward best. Mm -hmm. So we're going yep. from the least to the best. Yep. And we're talking about, do we like them? So now one of the things, if you've listened to good take, bad take is it, I don't have to agree hundred percent to mean it's a good take, but does it fit what they said that they were trying to do? Like, here's our, you know, here's our parameters. So just throw that out there. CJ Craig, it's not an easy job to be the White House press secretary, but looking at CJ Craig, one could get the impression that it might be. Claudia Jean is a natural in the world of press relations, keeping the press both satisfied and at bay with expert finesse and wit. So at the same time, we talk about the Josh Lyman incident with the secret plan to fight inflation. Mm -hmm. In that same episode, Celestial Navigation was the episode. We've got CJ who's had the root canal. Yes. It's the Whoop canal. What's he doing? Foggy bottom. <laughs> He's not a foggy bottom. I just wanted to see if you could say foggy bottom. <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Try not to destroy us. <laughs> okay, CJ, for, for a little while, you're going to need to write it down. Uh, I just, you know, I, I thought it was great. There, there, there are some odd episodes. With CJ, where like, you know, there's the one off where like she's trying to write to her dad or something, like she's writing an email or a letter or something. Oh yeah. Or something. Anyway, and and so it's trying to give some backstory into it's like her. her. It's like her dear diary, but it's an yeah. email to her dad. Th those were a little bit strange, but uh, she it says she builds remarkable interpersonal relationships with her team, including a deeply personal friendship with Toby and a winning brother sister rapport with Charlie. True. There are times where she struggles with Sam mm -hmm. because, again, uh, she is she's very kind and loyal as well. But she also is a realist when it comes to the media and the expectations that the media have. Yep. And doesn't believe that, you know, that Sam Sam and his idealism truly understands or or even even more appreciates the job that she does. Yeah. Right. And I, I think. I don't know if Aaron Sorkin meant to do this, but I, I feel like in some ways it was kind of this microcosm in general of the female work experience. Like I've always seen CJ, she's really, really good. And the men around her don't appreciate her. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen that or felt that way, but like, oh, this is just, she, you know, anybody can do this. I'm like silly CJ, right? Josh goes up because again, he's, he's at Harvard and Yale and and what does he do? He, Anybody can do this job, right? right. He totally yeah. fumbles, and then, right? Yep. And Sam thinks he knows what's going on, and and he is a very smart guy. He's a great writer, and he he doesn't understand. Like she has an expertise, anyway. But in that same episode, of course, the secret plan to fight inflation. If you have a gushing head wound from the stampede of bison, you'll do the press briefing, <laughs> which I just think is great. So, and she she also. I think this is a, a real legit thing. Uh, she is counted on to give advice, mm -hmm. but often when she gives the advice, it's not it's not going to be heeded to. And and President Bartlett is very serious about what his likes and dislikes are, and uh, he'll tell her point blank no. And she struggles. This was her one struggle. She struggles to not be in the room for a lot of the conversations. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't know if that is also... Uh, part of, you know, what I feel like she's not taken seriously. Now, some of that is addressed saying, well, we think you're too cozy with the media. 
because, you know, she's got this kind of on again, off again, fleeing with Danny Kincannon. But at the same time, I think there's so much in media relations, there's so much to be gained with a positive relationship. That doesn't mean you're selling, you know, your, your secrets, your war secrets or yeah. anything like that. But she is kept out of the loop intentionally and then expected to go out and do her job. And I just wonder if maybe if somebody else were in that role, maybe would they do that still? I don't know. Yeah. So. That's a tough place to be professionally. Yeah, just a, it was a weird societal thing that I've always kind of wondered about, but I yeah. don't know that I've ever heard that really talked about. I mean, Aaron Sorkin is pretty, he's pretty uh, strategic and purposeful about everything that he writes. So I don't know if that was uh, just something that I caught and inferred that is not true. I don't know. Uh, the top one on the list, Jed Bartlett. Which is, which is funny because in reality, this was not supposed to be a show necessarily about the president. That's right, yep. That's why they call it the West Wing and mm -hmm. not Mr. President. But Jed Bartlett, Martin Sheen does a phenomenal job. So since the West Wing, though, I just was watching something the other day. There are so many things that I've seen Martin Sheen in, and every single time that I see him, I yes, part of me thinks President Bartlett but the other side is he's just a really, really good actor. Uh, I mean, even to the point I'm, I just watched like a couple weeks ago, The Amazing Spider-Man, you know, and he's he like he's like uh, Uncle Ben or whatever in The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, I didn't even know that. Fantastic. Just does a really, really, really good job. I'm like, man, what a just a top-notch actor. So, I and of course, he speaks as a leader, which is exactly why, you know, why Leo McGarry says this is the guy like we want this guy for president and he i mean that's why he wanted to to be there and you know as an ivy leaguer you know he's a smart they play that like nobody likes the smartest kid in the room yet he got elected mm -hmm. and he gets elected by telling people sometimes what they don't want to hear so uh katarina says is there any other character in the universe of the west wing more deserving of this title the perfect fictional idealized president for any era. Well, I would say this is a perfect fictionalized ideal, ideal, idealistic depiction in general. Uh, of a leader. Of, of, of like a whole staff, mm -hmm. like of politics in general, doing things for the right reason. And it's like the opposite of your house of cards. Yeah. So every time, which is, by the way, very similar to current politics. It's just disgusting, right? Mm -hmm. So not to make this a political discussion, but every time I feel like lost or like there's no hope in what's going on in politics, at least this one puts me in fantasy land. Yeah. You know, for a little while, I'm like, I feel good about politics. You know, who are my Congress people? I bet they're doing just a great job like these people. <laughs> it just makes you feel good. I, I know, I'm sure it's not realistic at all in that regard, but I have heard some interviews with Aaron Sorkin who who has said he wishes this was how it how it is. And hey, we like fantasy things, right? I watched The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Yeah. That's not real, I don't think. I've never walked the trail to Mordor. Maybe it exists, but like I, I really feel like people like to have an alternate universe where they can have hope. Well, and I also think that there's a lot of people in politics, um, one who got into politics because of the of this show, and then also a lot of current people in politics who aspire to mm -hmm. be West Wing-esque in their role. There was even a time I'd wear my white shirts the way uh, Sam Seaborn does, you know. I'd have the sleeves all the way down. He always had the sleeves down, looking really dapper. 
And then when I get into work, I'd be like, nope, I got to go Josh Lyman. I'd roll up my <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> By the way, another funny one was when Josh Lyman was totally drunk and he's got his, his clothes and they smelled terrible. And so he ends up wearing like the yellow, like, oh, the fisherman fishing waiters. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he meets Joey Lucas. Wasn't that after a, a bachelor party? He goes to a bachelor yes. party or something like that. Yeah. I'm Joey Lucas. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I, I, it's always been a, like my favorite show. I think it is like the greatest show written for broadcast television. Mm. I, I think it just has everything that you want in a dramedy. Like it is funny. It, it really introduced us to the walk and talk, which mm -hmm. we can, which has both been copied, emulated and made fun of. Yep. Uh, I think when Tina Fey did the little walk and talk on 30 rock, I, just, with Aaron Sorkin, right? I just thought that was so funny. Like being able to make fun of yourself, I think is is fantastic. But I think overall, I've always liked politics. Like I, I enjoy following it, but at some point it, it wears on you. And I always like this because it brings me back to like this, wouldn't it be nice if? So I, I just, agree. yeah. And I think there's cool things that we can learn. But so if I were to, if I were to rank this on my, like my own, uh, I, I think my favorite character is probably Josh Lyman and then Richard Schiff, or sorry, Toby Ziegler, the character that Richard Schiff plays. Uh, and, you know, maybe Leo McGarry, CJ, Sam, that way. It's hard because they're all so good. They mm -hmm. all won Emmys. You yeah. Know, they all won Emmys for their performances. So I'm, I'm waffling between CJ and Leo. Yeah. They're both fantastic. When CJ also, does the jackal, I mean, you can't beat that. Right. I also really enjoyed Ainsley Hayes. Yeah, which is not on this list. Not on this list. And I think Ainsley was every bit as as much of a I would call main character as Will was. Yeah. You know. By the way, do you <laughs> do you remember when there's some discussion and, and Richard says, "Don't ever talk to me when CG's doing the jackal." <laughs> uh, the other thing I've used is, you know, when they're waiting for a vote and they're like, "Don't count your chickens before they hatch," and uh, Rit, um, Toby Ziegler says that today was going to be their day of Jubilee. <laughs> I use that all the time. Like when I coach Little League, I'm like, today, today's going to be your day of Jubilee. What does that mean, coach? <laughs> so I, I just think it's the perfect show. And I've watched several of the political dramas that have followed this, whether they're action-oriented or more drama-oriented. And this, to me, is is the gold standard. Seasons one through four only. Yep. I think one of the things that made it so good is that it wasn't one or two people that like absolutely hit the cast part. It was everybody. And, and I, I mean, Aaron Sorkin is well known for you reusing a lot of cast. He used reused people from sports night into the West wing into from West wing into studio 60 on the sunset strip. I mean, I think what happens is you have a role or you have a character that you want to be played. And so so you look for the people that could fill that role. But then at the same time, you're like, okay, but how can I mold this story so that it actually fits this person mm -hmm. and their abilities? So I think it's kind of this, this back and forth between, okay, here's the general idea, but now if I tweak this or this, I think this person could play this. And I know, like, they're tried and true. Like, I know what I'm getting. And so I think we see that. But, but with this, I mean, again, they won Emmys. It wasn't just the show. It was the, the individual actors won Emmys and because they all played it so well, yeah, like all of together. the characters did amazing. So um, on one hand, I'm, I'm like, how do you even rank the likability? So I, I would say overall, I think it's a good take. 
Um, the only thing I wish is it was more obvious which direction we were right. heading. Yep. And it more clear on if we're talking about do we like them or are they liked within the right. series? Because Manage again, some expectations. Right. Josh Lyman was again, I loved him. I absolutely loved him, loved him, loved him. He was not very likable outside of his own little peer group. And oh, by the other way, speak of which though, again, loyalty. Uh, it's not like Josh didn't fight with his coworkers. Right. That happened a lot. A lot. Right. There was conflict so, there a lot. In my own, like, we'll just call it like local political stuff that I, I was once involved in. Um, uh, mayor used to think that I would side a hundred percent with this other gal that was on city council with me. And I, I had to tell him, you think because we, we end up often voting the same way that we like our, our, hundred percent, you know, in accordance with each other. That's not true. Like we fight all the time behind the scenes. Like she and I would argue sometimes vociferously over whatever the issue was, but we like figured out ways to work it out and come to a consensus. So you're and saying that you were raising the level of discourse. This guy's an a-hole, you know, that's probably what, you know, some other people would say, but like in that regard, like I felt like here's what I feel strongly about. And I got, I have to, I have to, to make this um, a priority. I have to fight for this. I have to do whatever. And so maybe in those instances, I, I probably wouldn't have been likable, right? So that that's a hard thing that I have to, to try to reconcile is you know, how I feel about the character versus how they might have felt in the show. And it doesn't. it's not really clear until we go through and we're making inferences. So I still think that we made the right one. Like I think that we're right about what is intended by this article, but it's not really clear. I think it's a good take if we get those inferences right. I don't know what you think. I agree. Awesome. Yes, I love when we agree. Because then we, yeah, then we're more likable with each other. That's perfect. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. I want to... At the very end, what else? what else is there to do but... We say it's a good take or bad take. Uh, but we're going to tease. Let's tease forward. Okay. I don't know when it'll be. It might be months. It might be years. Not years. Let's not wait years, Lori. But I want to do another one where we rank episodes. Ah, and maybe we rank seasons. How do you Ooh. rank the seasons? I guarantee five through eight is going to be the last ones. But I have seen a few. I've seen a few out there where they're like, season five was better than season three. Or, okay. you know, weird things like that. Let's do it. Okay, we'll do it. I'm not I'm not going to put a timestamp on that. I'm not going to say when. Okay, but we're teasing that in the future. In the meantime, good take for me. Just a little confusing. And you too. What's next? Quobotimus. Quobotimus, what's next? So so that's a that's by the way that is an Aaron Sorkin reused type thing. So like Quobotimus really means like where are we going? But that was the precursor to what's next. So that came from Sports Night toward the very end of Sports Night. Uh, there was an episode called Quo Vadimus, and the person who buys the the sports network had a company called Quo Vadimus. And, of course, in a very Sorkin funny thing, it's like this game of, like, where, where you know, there's a lot of gossip going on, so it's like a game of telephone, but by the time it rolls around to the person, it, which was, by the way, it was Jeremy in the show, which was Joshua Molina. He comes in, he says, hey, I heard it's going to be bought by a company called Platypus. <laughs> <laughs> instead of quo vadimus so that turns into the what's next line for the president so you kind of also see that continuity between his writing and his style and well maybe our um, next list needs to be sports night have you seen it not all of it oh well first of all second season i thought was better than the first oh, okay and newsroom 
I have seen Newsroom. Uh, that was an interesting one. Uh, you can't you can't try to tell me that just because you pretend that the guy's a Republican with all these like progressive right. values <laughs> that that's like legit. Like I watch the news. None of these people are anyway. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, I'm already getting a bad rap for making everything very progressive. Let's just say that he's a Republican. Like, no, OK, that's but. I, I did enjoy. I also I struggled. The only thing I struggle with, the other only other thing I struggle with is why do every single one of these staffers look like they're one hundred percent like bohemian hipster? Like it's just strange, you know. But good show and being having experience in the TV business, uh, I I enjoyed it, you know. And there were some there were some also some good characters in that. Our conversation. I love Jeff Daniels. Yeah, too. our conversation here today uh, makes me think that we should find a list that ranks Sorkin TV shows. We could do that. Yeah, absolutely. And some of them, I feel like they could have been a lot better had they had time to, you know, to um, have more seasons. Yeah. Studio sixty was, I thought, maybe it was a little in your face, but I really, really enjoyed it. Some good acting on that as well. That's for those who don't know. That's kind of a sketch comedy type thing, but. Uh, they knew, they knew, you know, a quarter of the way into the season, pretty much, that it was going to be one season. Hmm. I mean, when you put it at Sunday, Sunday evening at like 10 o'clock at night, it's not going to last very long. Uh, but, and it, I think maybe it was a little too smart for TV. I don't know. But it was, uh, it was dense and it was one season and I enjoyed it. But where would it rank against other ones? Tough, tough to say. Yeah. Season one of Sports Night had a laugh track, so that's hard. For a lot of people. Yeah. I don't I don't mind, but some people hate it. So anyway. All right, Lori, thank you so much. Thank you. I this was so it. fun. Yes. Thank you so much for uh introducing me to the West Wing and then inviting me to talk about it today. So, yes. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. Cool. All right. And and cut. <laughs>